Typical Artists and Lillian Holman present Greenhouse. Letter 14, shaking for the past six hours. Dear Abby, I haven't gotten the chance to see you yet. The nurse says you need to rest. She wouldn't give me more details since I'm not family, but she was very kind about it. Ryan's here and sitting next to me. Now I'm the one with the shaking handwriting since I feel like I've been shaking for the past six hours. I'm hoping to tell you the whole story in person soon, but my hand needs to do something, so I'm going to tell you in letter form as well. Maybe you can keep this journal when I'm done with it since I'm really not the journaling type. It is also more your style anyway with the flowers on the front, but don't tell Ryan because he was very concerned about picking out just the right one from the gift shop. You may be first wondering how I knew to come here. The woman that hit you found your phone in the grass after the ambulance took you away, and miraculously it survived. She tried your parents, but they're still on that retreat thing, so I was the one she got a hold of. We'll need to unpack the sheer lack of contacts in your phone later, but I, I digress. The other woman was very upset, saying how much you were bleeding and how they had found a pulse, but she was still in shock. God knows, it seemed like she wanted me to comfort her instead of the other way around, but I only stayed on the phone long enough to find out where she was and then Googled the closest hospital. I really was only going to call and find out if you were all right, but they couldn't give me any information over the phone, so I started to panic. Don't get me wrong, part of me is still extremely angry with you, but... The thought of you, well, well, let's just say that my reaction wasn't rational. Luckily, Ryan was in the next room, and he actually was packing to head back down to L.A. since he had confirmed that I was okay after the whole Jason thing, but then he saw me sink down to the floor like those corny PSA posters, and before I knew it, I was sobbing and sobbing and, and telling him all about our letters, but the good side of them this time. Having now deemed me not okay, he called Emily to let her know that he wouldn't be coming home, and then he offered to go alone to check on you. But out of nowhere, I found myself demanding that I go too. Remember what I said about not being the most rational? He gently reminded me that I haven't been able to make it to the grocery store without a panic attack since the incident, but I insisted. So we did this whole thing where he, he basically carried me to the car, and I buried my face in his shirt and tried not to think about what was going on. I did pretty well until we got out of the driveway, but then the shortness of breath started coming on again. Ryan noticed, obviously, so after trying and failing to convince me to agree to turn around, he put on Emily's birthing playlist and made me laugh, telling me about the argument they had over Emily, including don't hurt yourself on it. He said it made him look like a bad husband, and she said that it wasn't important when she was the one doing all the pushing. Ryan knows that I'm a sucker for his Emily impressions as well, and there's, well, you know, there's no one like a big brother to make you laugh. It helped a bit, and we managed the 20-minute drive with only minor respiratory distress on my end. When we got to the hospital, I was still a mess, but luckily, Ryan is insanely good with people, so he was able to sweet-talk our way into the right waiting room. He left to get his food in this notebook, and I did freak out when he was gone, but... I closed my eyes and kept counting to ten until he got back. One of the nurses saw and offered me water, so that was very nice of him. And now we're here. I don't know what you were doing on the road. I thought you couldn't drive. 
The last letter I got from you was the one sentence, so I, I don't know where your head was at and that. That's a weird feeling after the past couple months. Even when I was mad, it was nice knowing that you were out there being bright, bubbly, and ridiculous when I wasn't. Ryan looked at some of the letters you sent me, and I, I hope you don't mind. He was advocating for you even before we heard about the accident. To be fair, it takes a lot to get on the wrong side of Ryan. This whole Jason Mitch guy actually seems to be the only one on his bad side right now. Speaking of that, I actually have something to tell you, and the nurse said it will be a bit, so I guess I'll share it here as well. Ryan told me the truth about Groveland. Apparently, he has to know now that he runs the nonprofit, but Dad made him promise not to tell me, of course. Ryan decided I deserve to know, though, and I think you do too. It really isn't as big a deal as our little journalist cockroach made it out to seem. Basically, about a year after Ryan was born, my parents were working on a movie together. It was my dad's first foray into features, and my mom had done small roles before and was looking to come back after giving birth. The problem was that we now know my mom had undiagnosed postpartum depression, and it started becoming far more evident as soon as she started working again. She would arrive late to set, looking disheveled, and her performance was completely flat. Oh, I wish you knew my mom to know how unlike her this was. Not that anybody on set seemed to care. They thought she was just hungover or something. Some even blamed it on her inability to handle both motherhood and a career. Can you believe that? My dad wanted to protect her reputation and also get out of the project himself so he could take care of her. He knew if he quit, it would draw the spotlight away from her and people's cruel speculations, so... He broke his contract. The studio sued him since he had already started filming and it was a big budget feature, but he never ended up working in features again. The only reason it isn't a bigger part of his legacy was because he agreed to pay them a larger settlement in order for them not to make a big deal about it. Also, he continued to do great work on TV, so nobody seemed to care except for assholes like Mitch looking to dig up old drama and pretend that there's some Woodward and or Bernstein. I don't know what's going to happen next, which is my least favorite feeling in the world. I just hope that when you wake up, you're okay. While I'm still upset about the dinner, I also hope that the story Mitch ends up telling doesn't ruin your life. I want you to be happy. You deserve to be happy. I thought about this a lot on the ride over, when Ryan wasn't distracting me when I wasn't convinced I was going to die. You don't deserve to be brought into my drama. You didn't deserve to be screwed over by Mitch or Annie or Frank or Betty. You deserve to be surrounded by flowers and good stories. And I know that is what my dad wanted for you. And I think this is what he wanted for me. I also think that, well, this might be why he wanted us to write each other. Finally, I think he was right. So please wake up soon, Abigail Adams. I'll be right here when you do. Love, Rose. P.S. Now that you're in a coma, I guess I can tell you my pseudonym. Look up Ruby Woodhouse, and you'll find all my silly thoughts on the moving image. I just hope, subconsciously, you'll know that I just told you, and that will be enough to wake you up out of sheer curiosity. Greenhouse is a production of Atypical Artists. It was written, directed, and edited by Lillian Holman. Alex Marshall-Brown is the voice of Rose Green, the show art was designed by Emily Chen. Greenhouse is produced by Lauren Chippen, Brigham Snow, 
and Lillian Holman.